So, Interstellar. Yeah, man. Interstellar. Let's do a review of that. Much, much anticipated latest film from Christopher Nolan. Yeah, well, the hype has been enormous and the trailers looked terrifically exciting um, over the last, what, month, two months that they've been cropping up. Um, We both got around to seeing it recently. We did. On IMAX. Yeah, within a few days. Although you were first, um, as is often the case with us catching (laughs) things at the cinema. Um, yeah, both in IMAX, both are, are new and improved local, now IMAX equipped theatre. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, we, we haven't sort of, we haven't fixed a structure for our conversation. In fact, we haven't talked about the film at all. No, it's been quite to, hard actually. Not to sort to, of go in live not in this to, chat. Not so. to talk about it whatsoever. I suppose I saw it first, so... Yeah, go first. Right. I really, really liked it overall. I thought it was a fantastic piece of visual cinema, almost second to none in terms of certainly recent release, recent film releases. Looks absolutely stunning in IMAX. For the most part, I thought the story was gripping and engaging, but there was faults. Yeah, I mean, do we need... Uh, we probably don't. Everybody's seen it or is going to see it, but just to set up the story of Interstellar. Okay, so... The human race is on its last legs, essentially, due to something has happened to, that leads to a food shortage. It's it's quite nice the way he kind of leaves that leaves that to your imagination. It's never explicitly stated. Yeah, you can wrong, kind of but... fill in some gaps with your imagination yeah. at the beginning of the film, and you know that things are looking bleak. It's going to be necessary. It seems like it's going to be necessary for the human race to look elsewhere in the universe for a possible future home to escape what is essentially a dying Earth. The crops are going to fail. Uh, the, the life that people are leading at the time, at the beginning of the film, has gone back to something quite sort of basic and agriculture based, and and there's something almost appe- well, kind of appealing known as, about known that. As the caretaker it? generation, aren't they? The yeah. Film, so. so things have changed, and you've got this this kind of um, dust bowl environment where there's in the house where there Matthew McConaughey is the lead here. Obviously, um, his house is kind of awash with the dust particles all the time. They have to sort of wipe everything down. There's a scene early on where all of the crockery, the plates and the dishes and stuff, are kept upside down. So mm. that when you're laying for the te- for the meal, you put them upside down and then you turn them over and wipe them just to make sure you haven't got dust all over your food. Which I thought was a nice little touch. To well, that's the things that. that Nolan's really good at. It's like attention to detail and like no stone gets left unturned, and that that kind of gets you in, really gets you into that world. And then, so there, then you have NASA operating in secret because it would not be a politically wise move to. For the government to show that they're still funding NASA when everyone has run out of food and people need to farm. NASA's operating in secret. Matthew McConaughey finds this weird anomaly thing that sends him to NASA and he ends up flying off into space. That bit, I felt, was all a bit hurried. Yeah, I mean, and important to mention, of course, that it's Matthew McConaughey here finding this thing with somewhat the aid of or alongside his young daughter, yes. who I think is about eight, eight, ten, ten years old, maybe, in the, in the film. Possibly, um, know, but I, I never, never, never age children very well. So, yeah, really... Um, Obviously, a really close connection that he has with his daughter. She seems to take a big interest in science and the kind of things that he's interested in and and the the way things work and kind of discovering the truth behind uh, events and incidents and things like that. And so they have a strong connection and she actually, I think she sort of hides away in his truck when he goes off to search for this location. Mm. There seems to be some kind of signal, some kind of draw, takes him to, yeah, as he said, something that is sort of a, a... Anomaly. Na- oh, NASA. NASA. Yeah. yeah, it's essentially NASA in all but name, and then he kind of flies off in space again. That for me felt a little bit rushed in terms of yeah, the way although, he was suddenly not. There was no kind of mention of space at all, and then suddenly he was there. 
Yeah, I mean, we're kind of launching off. We're, we're setting up the film, and obviously, it's hard to just set up the film without already feeling, you know, some impression or, or mm. sense of, of how we responded to the things that there were. So, yeah, to begin with, the, the setup of the film, you say if it felt rushed, and and I think I I agree. I mean, I think that that uh, as as we mentioned, the, the landscape that you're given at the beginning of this thing is really kind of um, it sort of draws you in. It looks lush incredibly well shot as you would expect from a, a Christopher Nolan film uh, and I had a point where I almost felt which is really strange to consider when I'd gone to a film in IMAX called Interstellar where I was so enjoying Matthew McConaughey's family relationship in that environment that I kind of wanted more of that mm. maybe before the inevitable journey into space and it's difficult because the film already runs what two hours 45 minutes or something like that um, if we'd have had more of that, I think obviously we'd have lost other parts that that came in later on. But yeah, I, do, I wouldn't say I necessarily wanted any more of it. I just think, and there was nothing wrong with those things. They're very well, they're very well handled. But for me, it was just just that jump off. It's just suddenly, boom, there he is, the farming, mm. and then suddenly he's at NASA, and that for me didn't really. And it just it just happens too quickly. It was a very very obvious example to me anyway I think of a film where you could see the edit like you could the editing's fantastic mm. don't get me wrong but you could see that there was a lot more that they'd shot there that just got savagely cut away because, I think so yeah. because yeah the, like you said the, the speeding up sort of events once he's spoken to these NASA folks who were like oh you're the guy you've mm. got to go to space you, we need you he essentially goes back to his house uh, has a little car tie with his leaves, daughter yeah. says like nods at his son and is like right I'm done I'm out I'm going to space this is potentially the last time he's going to see his family so yeah he doesn't even have a week he doesn't have like he just he just leaves yeah. which was odd yeah, um, and they they mumble something about like, oh, Murph, Murph, you know, he's going to really upset her, the daughter, but the son, oh, he'll handle it because you know be fine, he's, yeah. he's okay. And it's like, yeah, he might be okay, but he's still a human being, and his dad's disappearing. If his dad said, you know, I'm going on a business trip for two weeks, he'd be upset. He's saying I'm flying into space, potentially, you know, to to something that is well going to be risking my life to try and save the human race or help the human race in a really significant way. So that was, um, yeah, a bit, a bit. Um, awkward to feel that those emotional beats for me didn't mm. hit and I don't know if this is the right time to bring this in but I feel that that there's something fundamental to this film that is also fundamental to Christopher Nolan that it, that is basically the, the the bulk of my minus column for Interstellar and I don't know if we need to get to that now or later on but um, it's been levelled at Christopher Nolan in the past that he doesn't know how to write emotion and yes, feeling yes, yeah. and, and human beings I suppose um, do you think that's true? do you think that's fair? do you think there's proof of it here? do you think in his other films? I can kind of see where those criticisms come from but I don't entirely agree with them because I do think his films have have heart I mean you're talking to the man who cried at the end of Dark Rising <laughs> which is quite embarrassing in the and halfway through when Batman Mm -hmm. that took a bit of a hiding so I got quite upset then so I for me there is quite a lot of emotion in Christopher Nolan films I think the problem with Interstellar and again I say problem because I will reiterate that overall I did really like the film but one of the film's problems is that I think he's tried too hard in this film to counter the argument that he is emotionless mm. so therefore once it gets to space it, again it I can't 
overstate enough how awesome the film looks. I don't know whether you'd agree, but yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, some some sequences in particular as well, just just, just really are going to stick in your mind just for quite yeah. a long time. Maybe, um, yeah. But and I think that so when it gets to space and you get the kind of exciting set pieces, which are kind of the product of this this kind of scale of filmmaking, and then you get some sort of really at times over long conversations about love transcending all and you almost it almost feels like he's done it as a response to those people to go look I can put emotion into my films but as a result they kind of there's possibly it feels a little bit forced perhaps yeah there's all the links that 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 you've mentioned there I mean again we're sort of jumping into the the, the bulk of the film when they're in space mm. and, and this it, yeah it's not a spoiler at all but to say yeah there is this big monologue about Oh, the unifying force between the world is is love. And from another director, who I felt who I felt dealt with those things with sort of uh, humanity and nuance on mm. a regular basis. You might feel like, okay, I can go with this. I I can feel that you're you know there's a human heartbeat behind this this sentiments. But with Christopher Nolan, I sometimes feel, and it is probably a little bit over harsh, but I feel like the way that he deals with human emotions is a bit like what you might see from someone suffering like Asperger's and watching people and how they behave and how they react and sort of copying the way that he thinks human emotions work because yeah to have in that case the Anne Hathaway character suddenly abandon yeah. all scientific reason all knowledge all of her training all of her background just to say essentially I want to go over there and because it, my boyfriend yeah there. and that bit doesn't fit with the character that's been established for her like, and Anne Hathaway's the character's all over the place yeah. I think and, and I don't know whether as well and I'll get jump over into many positives in just a moment, but I don't know whether Christopher Nolan also is particularly adept at writing female characters. The the daughter, maybe notwithstanding, in in this film, um, who I liked a lot, Mackenzie Foy is the the actress, the ten year old version. And then Jessica of, of Chastain, she grows up. And I Jessica, thought she I thought she was well written though. The, but I think Jessica Chastain's an excellent actress, but I don't know if it was a I don't know if it was a great role. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. But in the case of the the main female here, Anne Hathaway, did, just did baffling. Baffling. How how at that point in a film is that character arc supposed to unravel that quickly to just like, yeah, guys, will maybe you know just screw you know all of this scientific enterprise, you know, or everybody else's decision making and the human race and all the people who depend on us. My little girl heart says, let's go over there because my boyfriend's there and he's got a nice face. Well, I think I think the intention probably was with it to sort of show sort of a human weakness to the character but I think as you say I think for her to make that decision the more I've thought about it actually obviously you've just brought it up now the more I think it, it doesn't fit and is just an, it seems like an odd choice and almost yeah I don't it, that wouldn't have happened again we can't talk about certain things I, I don't think directly but when you get to the, the closing what 15-20 minutes of the film which I think will divide a lot of people I didn't mm. say that much you get to that part and, I, and again I have this problem where I feel like here we have a director in Christopher Nolan who is phenomenal at sort of tooling together these these intricately built machine-like plots, um, moving part like you saw in, in the way that he structured formally structured Memento. That's his stock in trade, right? Is is the way that he can construct his narrative very efficiently and sort of mechanically. But then you've got that section towards the end mm. where we really have to deal with some pretty out there ideas and some thinking that has to be beyond pure intellect and I think that Christopher Nolan is a very clever man he's an intellectually gifted person yeah I think that's evident in all of his films right and I think that 
another director in that closing 20 minutes, he wouldn't just have said, this is about love or mm. connection or family or, or other abstract concept, but you really would have believed and sort of felt that. And I feel like Christopher Nolan's making the right moves, making the right gestures and aping that, but it, it didn't ring true for me. It didn't ring true that here is someone who who is really allowing himself to kind of yearn for family connectedness, for human connectedness, for for connection over time and space, for, for dealing with the loss of, of individuals in your life, for bereavement, for all the things that the film is ostensibly about. I don't think that he can let go of his, his sheets of, of mathematical data and Kit no, Thorne but, and, and all that stuff. But kudos to him for trying, I would say, because it does, it feels like, a, it feels different it feels in a lot of ways it feels like a Nolan film mm. in terms of how it looks and how technically it's fantastic in a lot of ways it feels like a departure yeah from, from what's come previously and okay you've got the kind of standard themes there you've got the kind of you've got Matthew Mahoney's Coop who's obviously lost his wife at some point and that you've got the similar kind of characters there and I mean that crops up obviously in Batman where he's alone and you know so all those things the sort of the Nolan-esque things are in there but it, it's just yeah it doesn't feel entirely like a Nolan film I don't think yeah I, I think there's there's truth in that I mean I think you see a lot of um, family plays a big part in a lot of Christopher Nolan's films yeah. however however much you invest in the idea that he really knows how to put that on screen emotionally mm -hmm. you know is, is sort of of course in, there, Inception as well he's going he's chasing his wife he's lost his right. wife and, yeah, and for me, and for me before, those yeah. emotional beats completely miss the mark in Inception and maybe that's the reason why again I, I admire Inception I think there's there's things in it that are just, just mind-blowingly technically you know sort of astonishing and the same with most things that he puts on screen if not everything that he's put on screen since his early do you think then that, yeah, I think that is probably is one of his only weaknesses as a director is is his dealing with emotion. I respect the fact he tried he tried to bring it more front and center in Interstellar. It doesn't always work. Mm. Well, sometimes it works. Mm. Tarzan Case, the mm. robots, mm. I thought they were fantastic characters, and mm. I genuinely ended up feeling for them as characters. That they, they evoke to emotional response now, probably get, more so than Anne Hathaway. Let's get to this because I think I agree with you on that, and I think that stuff, some of that stuff, was well written. Maybe you've got more insight than me about this because you've probably got a bit of a, a better background in like uh, sci-fi and stuff in general, I think. But the the TARS robot mm. looks like an aluminium wardrobe, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Yeah. Am I am I alone? Like, am I alone? Am I the one who doesn't get it? Is there a reference here? Is it a link to something else? Is there an explanation? I know it was to do with antiquated technology had been saved. I don't really buy that, but is a, is a, seems a bit of a convenient thing for the film. I don't know. The things, the things that they called up for me were and I should really know what they're called but I completely forget what the two little robots are called in Silent Running mm -hmm. but they don't look like that mm -hmm. I didn't like the look of the robots to start with but by the end I thought they were quite cool but why would they look like that why would that be the robot they take it's so impractical when they're on the other planet the water planet and that thing has to get back. And even the movement just seems like unrealistic. And then and then you've got this thing that's so clunkily manufactured <laughs> and it's got to get through the little hatch door into the ship. Why would it look like that? Why wouldn't it be a sort of, even if it can't be floating, wouldn't it look a bit more like sort of, t like it could move around as like kind of tactile and not like a, you know, like an, like an air vent at an old office building or something. <laughs> and they just bung that in there. It was like a joke. I, I, I don't know, I liked it. At the, the end, I, I liked the design. It's going to be divisive. 
It's similar to like the spacesuits in Sunshine, for example. Yeah. The gold spacesuits—they look pretty terrible, but they're practical. I—I I don't know. I mean, and that thing you know at the beginning of uh, of the Fifth Element when you meet the the creatures that they come down at the beginning yeah. of the Fifth Element, you're like, that is ludicrous. This is like a comedy, but yeah. then I love that film. So yeah. you know, you kind of. So it's kind of those kind of divisive things. I mean, you didn't like them. I quite like them. I thought they were quite. I think basically they were made that way to be distinctive. Yeah, I, I feel like I went a bit negative with certain things, and there's more to get to, I think, in terms of some bits and pieces that we've uh, possibly. But anyway, Tarzan case, no matter what, despite what they look like, yeah, was just, I genuinely funny. Yeah, genuinely funny. I thought the the kind of humour setting thing was great, and some of the comments they came out with were, were good. Yeah, and the, the playing around with this like honesty percentage thing was kind of fun. And Matthew McConaughey's got a sort of a, a appreciable sort of a sense of comic timing. I think sort of quiet comedy in the way that he can deliver lines. So he had a sort of little uh, rapport going with them, which which I enjoyed. And I mean Matthew McConaughey in general. What did you think about the casting? Like having seen Interstellar now, do you think they got the right man? Yes. Yeah? yeah, there's no one else came to mind. This was the guy. It's difficult now because obviously having seen the trailers when obviously the first trailer was sort of six seven months ago, I think. So I've kind of always always had him and what I haven't read. The, it is based on the book, isn't it? I think and I haven't read the book, so I suppose yeah, I liked I liked him in it actually. I think uh, I'm just trying to think of names that would names that would come to mind that sort of similar kind of age. I suppose Hugh Jackman might have done it. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough, isn't it? Because you get these big positions in and it's like when um maybe you won't appreciate this analogy but it's like when uh, a particular football manager people are asking you know calling for his head and he should get fired mm. and then you say well who's going to take that position mm. who are the possible candidates in the field at the moment at the right level who could do that job and in the case of Matthew McConaughey's role you need to be of a certain age you need to be of a certain because Josh Brolin might have might have worked. Yeah, although I, Josh Brolin, I need to spend some time apart from Josh Brolin after the <laughs> Old Boy remake. Honestly, I, I don't like looking at his he's face. A mixed bag. I'm, I'm getting the, the impression then that you didn't. No, didn't I, I, no, not necessarily. I don't think that's why I was really bringing it up. I think that it was a, a good bit of casting. I think it, Chris Nolan has had it in mind for a while to put to have McConaughey mm. in this role, and I think that he was determined that, that was going to be his guy. I think, like I sort of mentioned earlier on, when he's the farmer when he's farming the fields when they catch the chase and catch the probe at the beginning I mm. think oh, I, I want the film where Matthew McConaughey you know I want want mud back or you know the, mm. the, the Matthew McConaughey of the earth you know kind of his relationship with his children is kind of interesting on, on land as a spaceman I can see the appeal and there were parts where I thought you know isn't it fantastic that like this actor he's got a good look about him for like a sort of space sort of a weary sort of explorer engineer there there were gaps like there were gaps where you kind of thought you know the fate of the human race is is lying with with a guy who who can barely sort of be bothered to open his mouth to fully (laughs) articulate his lines let alone sort of I don't know but he kind of plays that old American kind of astronaut character well because Nolan made um all of the crew, the cast and crew, watched the right stuff before they started shooting. Yeah, that figures. And his kind of character wouldn't be out of place in the right stuff, for example. So I think if in that that kind of all American guy, I think works works quite well. But but then again, I I can believe that. But then when you read about NASA astronauts and the kind of rigorous self discipline and sort of academic and practical excellence that they asp- aspire to. And then you think, like, this guy? Like, I don't know. There's something about him that just seems so sort of, so laid back at times. But that's Matthew McConaughey's thing. And, and so, also, you know, that 
that works in real life, mm. those guys probably don't make for entertaining leading men. <laughs> there's a fair point. With, yeah, there's a with, fair point. With all due respect to what they do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's a fair point. You you have to have someone that you want to watch yeah. for the duration because yeah. he's on screen a, a lot, yeah. isn't he? Matthew McConaughey here. The rest of the cast, stand up, standouts, things that you thought were maybe the wrong choice. There's a bit of casting in this that I can't spoil that, that I think was, was a miscasting. And I think you know what I'm talking about, um, but we won't possibly say who it is that I refer to. But I think that one, the reveal bit of casting is is a misstep for various reasons. And maybe we could get into that at a later date when we spoil the film, when people have seen yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to spoil it. I liked it, interestingly enough, and it mm. certainly it certainly blindsided me. But we won't say any more than that. Yeah, so I mean, there is there again, is a face there is a face in the cast that you won't be expecting to see, and they've done a bloody good job of keeping him hidden. Sure, yeah, and I mean, talking around the the actual topic again, I think my fundamental problem there is one of those cases where you get to the reveal and you don't think, oh, here is a character who fits within this plot. You think, ah. Here is that guy. And there's so much baggage linked mm. up with, with that guy or, or that person that it's hard the to... The interesting question is, and I've only, we've obviously only seen it once, is his photo on the wall in the NASA office at the beginning? Because I think it will be. Ooh. You know when you have all the pictures of the astronauts? Mm. Right, in when they first discovered Oh, it must be, yeah. It must I be. Think, I, and it's probably... Oh, Chris I bet Olin he's there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, bet he's there. And the next time you watch it, you go, shit. Yeah. So anyway, moving on from that because it's vague because we can't really we yeah. can't really talk about that. What else? Casting wise, for the most part, I like the cast. I think they all did fairly good jobs. Nice to see Wes Bentley getting cast in something again and being quite good. Anne yeah. Hathaway was good with what she was given. Casey Affleck again. I didn't expect. I didn't expect to see Casey Affleck in it. Not given a great deal to do, to be honest. But I think it's. A, I think it's a case of they kind of go. Chris Nolan's making a film. I want to work with him. I'll kind of take any any role that's given really so kind of yeah. minor even what would be considered to be sort of minor roles are filled out by kind of a-listers and it's and it's not a complete shock to learn that mcconaughey was cast off the strength of mud and affleck casey affleck was cast off out of the furnace because he is essentially yeah. <laughs> just yeah. taking a guy out of a film put him in another yeah. one yeah. i mean yeah. I, I like that guy I'll, I'll i'm happy to see him in almost anything mm. but you're right he, he doesn't get a great deal to do and I think like a few people don't get much to do here Michael um, Caine turns up and explains things again yeah I, uh, yeah he's a tr national treasure you know bless him but I, and I guess who else do you put in a film of this size you've you, I don't know it's it's a sort of catch me too isn't it with him but um Ellen Burstyn's in this thing for, mm. for two minutes it's kind of what a performance <laughs> yeah kind of um sure I mean they've yeah. got they've got history I mean it, yeah yeah as, I, yeah, as I said, it's, it's kind of odd, but then uh, you're going to get that. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, because it means that anyone, even in sort of minor roles, are going to be well acted. Yeah. So it's not, you know... Yeah, no, it's not It's not really a criticism. And I mean, no. I'm sure she doesn't mind. <laughs> she obviously <laughs> no. signed, signed the contract and took the checks. So. Um, the sound was, I thought, fantastic. In Oh, it was too loud. Well, oh, why is it so loud? <laughs> that's why I heard a lot around yeah. me in the I heard the, that a lot. IMAX. If you don't like IMAX... Don't go to an IMAX cinema. Simple as well, that. Well, if you don't Argument like over. loud noises, don't, go to, don't go to a to a small, you know, sort of sound sealed room where they're going to play a blockbuster yeah. film about going into space. And it's fairly obvious it's going to be louder and bigger. <laughs> like, I, I, I love the thinking. Like, oh, I, I want to travel in space and I want the experience. But why don't you be quite quiet? Could you be quite quiet? 
quiet. They're talking of traveling in space. Going back to the actual film, not people moaning about yeah, yeah. IMAX being too loud. Again, don't go. The sound of silence. I know how pretentious that sounds. Mm. It's not just an album. Was used brilliantly well, devastatingly so. Just the way music, music, music. Zimmer score. Interesting Zimmer score actually. A departure from what he's done recently. Um, Zimmer score, Zimmer score. Sort of crash bang, and then boom, nothing in the space scenes that worked fantastically well yeah you're right you're right the, the absence of sound is as yeah. powerful as the sort of inclusion yeah. of particular sounds but now I can't get the image out of my mind of a different sort of paralleled branching universe where in this film when McConaughey's jumping towards the wormhole we have that song this, Hello Darkness my old friend <laughs> going to talk to you again yeah that would have worked brilliantly that I would have been quite cool I want to put that piece yeah. of music into almost every film I think so, um, so that works well. Uh, there's definite, and there's obvious, and some of that obviously harks back to there's nods, there's nods to a lot of sci fi as you'd expect. 2001 being visually, I think the film owes a lot to 2001, yeah, which I, is not a bad thing at all. I heard him talking recently about um, his, his own dad, Chris Nolan's own dad, taking him to see the re released version of 2001 when he was a, a younger guy. Um, and how much of an impact that did have on him. And I mean, it's obvious that you, you don't go into making a film like this without knowing the sort of your 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 precursors, the, the people that have come before you in 2001 looms so large. If you're going to make anything of scale about space, that, yeah, the, the, the sort of connection is, is clearly there, isn't it? Mm. And it's a fantastic film. And, you know, what, what, what a sort of blueprint to work to, I, I suppose. It came up a couple of times. Black holes, wormholes, dealing with space and space science in general. How well do you think that was handled in the film? And I suppose a sort of second question, does it really matter that much? This is th These are kind of issues that I've been thinking about. The answer since to question number one is it worked very well for me. The answer to question number two is no, it doesn't really matter. It's still a film. Yeah. Um, apparently, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is a leading authority in these things and hosts the quite awesome series um, Cosmos mm. uh, has apparently endorsed a lot of Nolan science mm -hmm. now you're going to have to stretch science to make a film and as soon as black holes come into it everything is the well not everything is theoretical if you go beyond the event horizon of a black hole everything becomes theoretical mm. so does it matter no did it work for me yes I, I liked it I liked the fact it was quite science heavy Mm. Um, it's it, there hasn't been kind of like for want of a better term like a hard sci-fi film for quite a while I think in terms of a big but in terms of a big budget hard sci-fi film obviously you've had Primer Upstream Colour Sunshine possibly the last kind of hard science film but even this yeah. kind of that wasn't as sciencey as this yeah it could be I mean I'd have to think about it maybe we can come back to it at some point but yeah I mean you don't see a Great. Part of the reason for that, obviously, is because putting sort of hard science on screen is a pretty unappealing mm. prospect if you want a big audience yeah. and you want to make money. And, you know, essentially that's what studios want I mean, to do. It doesn't, it's not as complicated as, say, Primer mm. uh, in terms of the issues that it deals with. But certainly it's, uh, it's, it's one of the things that Nolan's good at and should be celebrated for is he, he's managed to bring brains back into spectacle cinema mm. and in a good way. And he seems to get, he's always set up for a fall, basically, because there are a lot of people who say he's perfect, no filmmaker's perfect, really. Mm. But he should be respected and applauded for managing to bring brains, brains yeah, back into I, the big screen. And I think the, the ultimate truth is, we were talking about, you know, does it work emotionally and does it work sort of scientifically? And, and maybe, ultimately, I sort of feel that 
it's such a big ask to try and do both of those things sort of flawlessly or close to it. And ultimately, I think it doesn't quite succeed in marrying these things together. I would agree with you. It doesn't doesn't quite gel together. But to do it, to, to, to achieve what is achieved while still making something that is expected to have mainstream appeal and be yeah. a big box office film, to achieve what he has done with the film is still excellent in itself. Yeah. It's just not quite there and I think maybe if it had just been all hard science and the emotion hadn't been in it it might have been even better than it was yeah but then but then it wouldn't reach the audience no. and you wouldn't be able to get the, the, the pull of the stars that you have because yeah you, you mentioned something like Primer and I love this film and I think a lot of people who might listen to a show like this or be interested in the kind of films that we like oftentimes will have seen Primer and know all about it but Primer there's no two ways about it. It's pretty bloodless. There's pretty much no emotion. Yeah. They are very, very nerdy and they don't care that they're going to alienate a lot of the audience immediately. And, and that's to the film's credit in the end because it really sticks to its guns and says, yeah, this is hard science. We're going to talk in the way that we'd actually talk if these were our jobs. We don't care about you. We're not going to break down sort of that fourth wall and, and identify with the audience. However, yeah, there's not emotional resonance in in the film primer no, is and there? i think I mean, if if box office hadn't been a factor in interstellar i think we would have seen a very different very different approach to it yeah and i think where chris well, not a very different approach but where chris Nolan is, is more approach. comfortable is mm. making this sort of um this this magic box of sort of elements that will go together and this is why i think maybe for me my favorite and whether it's the best i don't know but my favorite possibly chris Nolan film is the prestige mm. and the reason why you don't face this problem is because the prestige is fundamentally about illusion and trickery yeah. and the world in which Christopher Nolan's uh, formal style of Christopher Nolan's filmmaking absolutely marries up with the content. Whereas here, once you get to that last section of the film and you're supposed to be invested enough in these characters to really feel the emotional impact of the space and the time and the the, the scale of the universe you know dwarfing us all in our tiny tiny and that, earth and, and it doesn't, it that doesn't work the scale is there mm. right? you mentioned the scale the scale is absolutely there but see it see it on the biggest screen the possible, physical scale yeah, there. the physical scale is, um, is, is second to none I think in terms of yeah this, and see it in IMAX absolutely see it in IMAX if, if you have the opportunity to do so because it is to be experienced and it even the sort of um the, the base when you go you know we'll talk about IMAX I'm sure we were mentioning this on the, the maybe the next episode of the show but um, the, just the rumble like when you feel the engines um, fire and then you've got that IMAX base mm. kind of shaking the chairs and this is kind of a, a full body experience which is fantastic mm. for this kind of um, kind of movie anything else that we need to get to in terms of things that you would have changed, things that, you, that didn't work for you, things that you thought were sort of egregious errors or plot holes or things like that, without obviously spoiling anything that came up later. There's not a great deal I would have changed. As I said as I said earlier, perhaps slightly more meshed together, beginning maybe a slightly, a slightly better handled prologue, I think, in terms of before it jumps into space, just in terms of meshing that when he goes to space thing together. Um, dialing back slightly on some of the emotional elements with the kind of love... the this talk of love and and this mm. kind of thing but no i wouldn't have changed much more than that to be honest maybe somebody telling matthew mcconaughey how a wormhole works before before yeah like I will give you that yeah from that this supposed to, as you, yeah, you, you made, yeah this is the one thing you did mention to <laughs> me before, been a this, good idea. before this yeah they they kind of you've got guys on their way to a wormhole and suddenly someone goes uh does anyone know oh wait we haven't explained to the audience what a wormhole is yet shit 
but we have got this piece of paper. Do the piece of paper thing from Event Horizon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Push the push the pencil through, and that's kind of that. Like even you or I would know more about that science. Do you know? Having I think no the, involvement. Right, with I think the thing is with that again, because and obviously we don't know Christopher Nolan. I can't say this is this is definitely his thinking. But I think the way his mind works is he sat there and gone, well, anyone who's come to see a film called Interstellar bloody well should know what a wormhole is, but mm. I don't care if they don't because they should. They should have done their homework because he's very you know he makes. In involved films uh, and then someone they've al- along the way they've been shooting and someone's gone Chris Chris you need to tell the audience what a wormhole is just in case they don't know mm. and he's gone ah like, this is a wormhole guys and then just yeah, shoot that bit yeah is what I think happened there it, it's, just, a, it's a bit silly it sort of undercuts the credibility of the character yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, the problem because yeah. of the point where it's it's thrown in but particularly because the decision by you know the the benevolent grandfather Michael Caine to in a heartbeat go from uh, McConaughey's character finds NASA and then you're the guy you're going to space it's happening tomorrow mm. or whenever it's meant to be because that decision made so quickly when presumably there are other candidates there are other human beings who are alive and there are loads of people well there must have been another pilot who, who, yeah loads of people seem to be working at that centre but but he's the guy mm. well if he's the guy then surely nobody needs to explain anything about the mechanics yeah. of, of the universe to him further than what he would need you know to, to do the mission so it's a bit weird that so that bit yeah um, and, and also and again I, I'm going to say this without spoiling but it would be impossible to follow and record Morse code that consistently with that much speed and accuracy for such a huge amount of information. And I think you know what that refers to. Yes, but again, I will fall back and go. It's a nice image. It's a film, and yeah. it can't. It worked visually and kind of all. It's it worked artistically, logically. Yeah, I agree. Mm. It's a bit again. It's a bit silly. And but then you know what sci-fi film doesn't make those make those silly leaps from time to time yeah overall I really really liked Interstellar you know I you know I have said some some bad things about it I really really liked it I've seen a two and a half star review um, over on Cinema Blend wrong simple as that you, whatever you think whatever you think of Interstellar it's not a bad film in not technically a bad film for fans of science fiction, it's a must-see, but it for won't... For fans of cinema, I think it's a must-see. I mean, just it's such a cinematic experience. Mm. If you if you get a knock-off version off the internet and watch it on your phone, it's nothing compared no. to the and experience. And if you do that, that we will find you. In the, uh, in the cinema. So, yeah, it, it, I think anything... At this point, anything Christopher Nolan does is is worth the the time and attention of anyone who's sort of serious not even seriously even just passingly interested in mm. in, in cinema because the set pieces are just you know, but, out of this world but to right? the same <laughs> exactly <laughs> but to the same token you know I, I suppose I lean a bit more to the you know I'm going to come out of this review having been slightly more negative probably I think that's fair to say but I also sort of just warn a little bit against the other direction, which is where people who are such acolytes of Christopher Nolan, everything that he does is is gold, and this is the the greatest space for me. You know, you, you hear yeah, a lot it's of funny that, it's funny that he has this this following, and I for the, I can see why because he's done some very good stuff. But then at the same time, you also have you also have people who needlessly slate him. Yeah. Because and you're going to get with anyone on people, this scale, that, you're going to get that. And that's just as that's just as frustrating as the as the the sycophants, to be honest. Because, for example, I, there was someone someone put online on some kind of social media thing that 
The Dark Knight Rises was the worst Batman film ever made. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. Well, it's just, again, wrong. Like, it's just wrong. And also, it's a, just a kind of weird statement as well, because how many Batman films are there? Like, yeah. a, a clutch. And so, you know, ever it's not made, worse than, like, whatever you think of it, it's not worse than Batman and Robin. It's no. Just, it's, so it's just needless. Although, again, there is, there is needless. There are sycophants about him. I understand why. I'm a, I'm a big fan myself. And what I think what he's brought back to blockbusters, should he should be very much applauded for. Mm. But nobody's perfect. But at the same time, don't bring him down. Don't just deliberately slate him for no. the reason that other people no, really like absolutely him. Absolutely not. And I'm not accusing you of that. No, I'm absolutely just, not. Just and in I general, think, yeah, both, both things are wrong, essentially. Like you say, you've got to have that ability to sort of pull some things apart and see things maybe slightly separately in this, you know, this whole idea of, of, of film reviewing and, and criticism as it is. You know, so many things have to be pushed into one short review and if essentially someone wants to communicate to their reader or listener or whatever, I've just got a problem with this director or I just don't like what he does, then they're going to end up probably coming over, over overly critical mm. when in fact it would be a bit more mature to maybe just pull some elements apart and say, look, because in my case, I think Chris Miller is an astonishing filmmaker. I think that, you know, I'm, I'm so glad I've had the chance to see this. I'll probably see it again. Mm. Um, it's it will stay with me for a while. There's some some wonderful stuff in it. The part when um Matthew McConaughey's driving off in his his pickup truck to go back to take his mission into space, and you yeah. have the space countdown. Yeah, that was awesome. For yeah. not like you don't forget a scene like that, and and Christopher Nolan. And the with, bit where they come back up to the ship and they've been on the planet for 23 years. That was very cool. Yeah, right. Minor spoiler there, but <laughs> I mean, again, I. I I think I'd counter that with the fact that they could have shown aging a bit better than the guy having a couple grey hairs in his beard. He could <laughs> sleep like, for a while. Guys! He slept for a while. Guys, he's been but... away for a bit. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're right. That really kind of um, moments of, of like awe because I love thinking about these things. And pretty much anything from the last half an hour. The, <laughs> the docking scene on, this, on the spaceship. Yeah. It's in like free fall. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing. And I Enough, think, I'm spoiling now. So. And I think ultimately my, it's not even really a, a criticism of Interstellar so so much as it is why don't I absolutely love this well I think it comes down to when we get to the end and we realise these big themes are there about you know humanity the, the human race um, family connections what it means to be human our place in the universe you really need to direct you really need to relate with the storyteller about fundamentally what you believe some of the key elements of sort of humanity and 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 life and and love and connection are and i think myself and chris Manone just we just don't really line up mm. in that sense and so i can absolutely see how someone else would watch this and be maybe powerfully affected mm. maybe it would really blow them away in terms of the emotional uh, beats and, and resonances but in my case it, it just it just doesn't um, on that level but on many other levels it succeeds a great deal I think. Mm. so final comments yeah if we got anything that we need to add I think we've sort of covered most most of the key points here I'm, I'm sure I'll kick myself when we finish I'm probably kick myself recording no, I think I've, I think I've covered it yeah great film not flawless uh, mm. but certainly certainly uh, definitely go and see it yeah and do you know what's next for Chris Nolan no I'd be very intrigued to, watch, to see what's coming next because he can't go much bigger than Interstellar yeah. and, and, <laughs> and maybe maybe if he works with a different writer he might end up getting some more heart ha, into his have films. you heard about the original um, uh, screenplay that Jonathan Nolan wrote that became Interstellar because I was listening to a thing about this the other day it and was it, Spielberg passing it didn't he I think 
Sorry. Didn't Spielberg pass on the script originally? Or was oh, that, was that perhaps, not the Nolan draft? Perhaps so, because all I know is that there's definitely a, a sort of first draft version that Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Nolan wrote that is bonkers <laughs> and is it, probably a five-hour film and very big changes have been made between that and this, although that they obviously have a lot in common with Jonathan Nolan being the screenwriter for this thing too. But yeah, I wonder, like, will they cleave apart? Is there going to be a time when... Chris Nolan's screenwriter isn't his brother and is there there's sort of so much benefit to that relationship mm. obviously as you know um, all of his films pay testament to but this but then Jonathan Nolan does TV, so, TV stuff apparently so yeah. like, uh, on his own he does off yeah. his own volition so but then, the but then Chris Nolan doesn't have other screenwriters no. does he so, no. so it's interesting it'd be very interesting to see what comes next yeah very yeah. interesting uh, I think so too and I think that like amazing that Christopher Nolan is and it won't be another Batman film so that's quite interesting right they did time up for a long time, as yeah. good as those are. But he's 44. Mm. 44, that's it. So there's potentially 20 years of Christopher Nolan yeah. films to come, which for anything critical that I might say about this and, and definitely stand by about this and some others of his films, like I'd love for him to be around for the next 20 years making yeah. things with, with big ideas yeah. and big scope and, and things like Interstellar. So. As a, for a director, he's still young. So Very young. Yeah. yeah, very young, I think. So yeah, exciting times. Absolutely.